From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to What's Wrong With Revenue. This is episode 43. Today we're gonna to be talking about you might not have the right campaign methodology if you're having trouble driving revenue. And um, before I do some of my uh, housekeeping, I'm uh, very happy to welcome K.A. Brightlow, who works at Square Two. K.A. is actually our campaign execution specialist at Square Two. So she'll be providing some insight and ideas for us today as we talk about this concept of campaign methodology. K.A., say hello to everybody. Hello. Great to be here and meet everyone. Great, thanks for stepping in. Eric is off today, so we decided to invite a special guest and Kay was happy enough to participate. So before we get into it, just wanna remind everybody, if you're interested in the show, you can find it on our YouTube channel. Square Two Marketing has a YouTube channel. You can Google it. All of the What's Wrong With Revenue shows are available on YouTube. Like us, provide comments, subscribe, and you can get access to the show there. If you're interested in, the show and our other audio and video content. You can check out the show and that other content on Square2 Plus, our free streaming service. Just go to square2marketing.com backslash square2plus and you'll see our Netflix style streaming show and you can subscribe to the service and get notifications when we put new content up there, which we do generally weekly. So go and check that out. If you like the show and you wanna kind of subscribe directly, there's a link at the bottom of our website. It says, what's wrong with revenue? You can click on it, go to that page. That's where you can get this event on your calendar. That's where you can submit questions like the ones we're gonna answer today. And uh, you can also subscribe directly to the show and we will email you the show after we're done if you want it in an on-demand version. And finally, if you're into podcasts, the show is available on all your favorite podcast platforms, uh, Podbean, iTunes, Apple, Stitcher, and the rest. So thanks for joining us today as we're gonna talk about campaign methodology. So a little bit of backstory here. A lot of companies come to us struggling to get results from their marketing. And very frequently, one of the issues is this concept of running campaigns, ongoing campaigns, resources for campaigns, expectations around campaigns. Uh, and we're going to talk about all of that today and try to break it down for you. Uh, we have studied this for a long time. Uh, Square Two does some things that are slow, a little different than most agencies when it comes to campaigns. And we can talk a little bit about that. But I think what you need to take away is that you really need a very specific methodology and a framework. It's more important than you probably think. It's not just about sending an email or launching some Instagram ads or trying to do some paid search. You really want to think through 
your campaign, your campaign tactics, your budget, your expectations, the timing, it's probably a little more complicated than maybe you thought, or maybe requires a little more strategy than maybe you applied to it. Uh, and one of the things that's important is a deep and expansive set of experiences around planning, building, running, analyzing, and optimizing ongoing campaigns for success. There are some very specific motions around the analyzing and optimization piece of it that we'll probably talk a little bit about today. Uh, I also think people generally have wrong expectations around timing for campaign results. It's generally not a couple of days. It's generally not a couple of weeks. Uh, if you're using any of the paid services, paid social, paid search, those algorithms that those companies are, are providing us that help optimize our paid generally take at least a month to kick in. So I think we're going to try to reset some expectations around timing as well and get everybody comfortable with maybe a new set of expectations around their campaigns and what they're doing. Some of the things we'll try to cover today is how to teach your team campaign methodology. So we'll talk a little bit about the brief uh, description I provided above, our campaign methodology. Um, we'll talk a little bit about how Square Two does it. Uh, what results can you expect during each stage of the campaign, which I think is important because the results in the beginning are going to be different than the results in the middle and the results at the end. We'll also talk about investment levels because I see a lot of companies under investing in this, both from a timing and an energy and a budget perspective, and then being disappointed with results. So we'll talk about that as well. Um, and then what are the optimization cycles and how do you use them to generate better results? And we'll also talk a little bit about omni-channel. How can we not? It's a very big buzzword out there in the market. A lot of people are talking about it. So we'll make sure that everybody understands what that means and how to deploy it. So, Kay, that's a big mouthful. You got anything you want to add before we get into some of these uh, topics? No, I think you've covered it. Awesome. Great. Okay. So, Let's just get into this. Let's talk about campaign methodology because most of the time I see companies, they're running what they call a campaign, but it's really just a series of disconnected tactics. They're, they're running some paid ads on LinkedIn. They're running some paid search on Google. Um, they might be doing some email marketing uh, and they're not really kind of connected. They're not really organized. They're not really getting a one plus one equals three. So could you talk a little bit about what you think good campaign methodology might look like if you were going to recommend that to somebody? Sure. I would say it starts initially with the planning. I think not enough energy ever goes into the planning. Um, you hear very vague goals like we want leads. People should have very specific goals of what type of leads or what type of awareness. What do they want to learn from this campaign? What are you testing so you know what your next campaign is that follows? Uh, like you said, people run disparate sources of, well, it's six emails. That should be a campaign. It's not a campaign. You need to know who it's going to, why, how they shop. So I think really it's front loading um, is the key aspect. Yeah, that's a really good point. So I think planning, it, it, in our case, from the, our campaign methodology, planning is the first step, right? We're a big strategy before tactics kind of company. We talk about that mon mantra with our clients very frequently. And um, I think the planning piece of it, to your point, is generally underutilized and underinvested in. So if we're going to be planning a campaign, then 
there are a lot of conversations and components that would go into that effort, right? Like very first, who are we trying to attract with this campaign, right? And, and what is the right channel to attract those people? So, you know, a lot of people are into Instagram. A lot of people feel like that's the, you know, the sexy platform for their ads these days. But if you're trying to get to a CEO at a large, just for example, Fortune 500 company, are they on Instagram, right? I mean, they, they might be. I'm not saying they're not. I mean, I am on Instagram. I'm, I'm not the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, but I do run a small business and I, I am on Instagram. It's actually my preferred platform with LinkedIn being second. So uh, I'm not saying it's not the right platform, but I'm saying there should be some conversation and discussion and maybe even a bit of research that goes into the channels we're selecting and the people we're trying to attract. Go ahead. I think there are two along those lines, as you brought up, people might not think Instagram's your chosen platform. I would suggest throwing some of the ideal customer profile assumptions out and really test and learn. We operate on what we knew you know, a year ago, two years ago, but ideally if you've been targeting that sweet spot, you've either saturated it or it's pivoted a little. And I think that's another miss in campaigns. Uh, we don't look at the audience and let them tell us who's interested and where they wanna be and how they wanna be contacted. Yeah, it's a very good point. And you know, we have to make at least some assumptions based on research and knowledge and whatever data we do have when we're in the planning phase, right? So you know, my, my advice to people listening would be ask your current customers, you know, like, Hey, are you on Instagram? Yeah. Oh, really? How frequently? Oh, once a week. Okay. Not that frequently. Oh, you're on a couple times a day. Okay. Good to know. Like, and, and it's almost like the why you're on is kind of irrelevant. I mean, they may be on to check out what their friends are doing. They may be on to, to, to follow certain companies that they have, you know, a passion about, like I, follow a lot of uh, outdoor living companies to, to see like what they're doing with their outdoor spaces. And I follow a lot of like uh, outdoor product companies just to see what's interesting in the marketplace for the, you know, like, so it doesn't matter why I'm there, I'm there. And, and if the algorithm finds me, people who are trying to get my attention should be able to serve me up ads. And they do all the time. I get ads for things that I'm interested in. I get ads for things that I'm not interested in. So um, I think that's a really good place to start. And then to your point, we're going to get to this a little bit in the analyzing stage, but after we've been running it for a little bit, then we'll have actual data, right? So we can match our actual data to our expected performance data and make sure that our assumptions were correct. And if they were not correct, we, we make some pivots uh, in terms of the campaign going forward, right? So we're going to make some we're going to make some assumptions. We're going to do a little research. We might do some even primary research and talk to some people and see if we're in the right using the right channels to get access to them. And then we're going to build the campaign, right? So we planned it. Now we have to build it. You know, this is where trying to use multiple channels might come into play. So we might be serving up ads on Google for people searching. We might be serving up similar ads on Instagram for people on Instagram. We might be serving up uh, similar ads on LinkedIn, trying to target people who might be on LinkedIn, but not on Instagram, LinkedIn, but not doing active searches for the keywords we're talking about. And we may even be doing some email marketing as part of this campaign too, potentially with sales reps reaching out to targeted prospects, um, potentially, you know, purchasing some lists and doing some outreach that way. 
And all of these channels would be leveraged in an omni-channel way to push the same message to the same kinds of people in a very kind of one-to-one and personalized way, offering them something of value for them to want to connect with the company that's running these ads, right? And I think also in the planning stage, we have to have a real honest conversation about are we running an awareness ad or an awareness campaign or is this a lead generation campaign? And those are two different kinds of campaigns. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit for the benefit of our uh, audiences. Sure. I think uh, it, it is one hurdle you see folks look at their campaign going, well, we didn't get leads. Your goal was awareness. You've got traffic. So it's knowing, it's aligning your goal to what data you're looking at that shows you it's a success. So it's mapping those together. Um, and an awareness campaign, I think they often get overlooked. We want, you know, sales wants leads. We want leads. So we go in for the contact us, you know, set up an appointment. Those are really big asks. And we probably need to look and reflect on how we all shop ourselves. Like how often do you, you know, click through and set an appointment first email? Probably yeah, not. not very, not very frequently. It's kind of like asking to get married on the first date, right? Exactly. You gotta, you gotta warm up your perspective you know, partner there a little bit. And in some cases, it might take a couple of years. In some cases, it might take a couple of weeks, depending on the match. And I think that's a really great metaphor for what we're trying to do here. You know, if you are running a demand gen or an awareness campaign, then you should really just be looking to uh, move the needle around awareness. So, you know, when reps are reaching out to people and they're like, have you heard of us? They're like, yeah, I saw some ads, you know, like that's a successful awareness campaign, right? I often refer to that as kind of like uh, bombing the beach before the troops land on the beach, right? If the sales reps are the troops and they land on the beach and the, the, the fortifications on the beach have not been weakened, it's going to be very difficult for them to take the, the beachhead, right? And that's like sales reps who are trying to explain well what, what we do and how long we've been doing it, as opposed to when we do run that air cover campaign and we make the beach you know, soften up the defenses and the troops roll right up and keep on going. And it's like when a rep calls up and they're like, oh yeah, I heard of you. I know what you guys do. I've seen some ads. Like, yeah, I'm interested. Let's, let's have a conversation. That's a much different sales conversation. And I think those should be some of the objectives around awareness and demand gen campaigns versus the lead gen campaigns, which to your point, are really looking for marketing qualified leads primarily and maybe a bonus of a handful of sales qualified leads in there if you get lucky and find people who are really ready to talk. Mm -hmm. I think too, on the awareness side, especially for a lot of software companies or apps, we've got so much new technology. We're constantly seeing things that haven't been done before, first to market. So there's a little doubt, like if you don't fully understand it, you're not gonna engage. So it's building a comfort zone too. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think there's a lot of doubt with people in general when it comes to ads, right? I, I see a lot of ads. I don't believe most of them, right? You know, I have to kind of like be proven that this is actually legitimate. And, you know, I'm looking for some kind of low risk way to get involved in the company. The last thing I want to do is actually schedule a meeting with someone I don't know from a company I'm not sure about. My time is, is important, but I might download something. I might look at something. I might visit a web page or a website to learn a little bit more about this particular company. And I do very frequently. I think that's common behavior. But if you're only asking for that appointment, 
you're missing 99% of the people who are seeing that ad who are not ready for the appointment and are still a little um, uh, anxious about what it might be like to, to work with your company. So those are, those are really good points. So as we build out the campaigns, we talked a little bit about that. It's kind of the second stage in the square two campaign methodology. We're then going to run the campaigns, right? And we talked about having some realistic expectations around how long it takes to run them uh, before we actually have a nice collection of data where we could do some analysis, which is the fourth step, step in the uh, campaign methodology. So you know, running them takes some attention from people who know how to run these campaigns, set them up properly, allocate the budget. You know, if you're talking about search, it might be like, you know, swapping out negative keywords that you don't want to pay for. So there are some nuances to getting these campaigns up and running that I think you want to make sure you have experts in their various channels working with you around that. And then the fourth stage is analysis. So if we've been running these campaigns long enough and we have enough data, we now need someone who's expert at sitting down and doing the analysis and telling us what they've learned as a result of the analysis. We often say the dashboards are not the end game. It's the insights you can pull out of the dashboards. And I think analysis is the same way. It's not enough to say, oh, we got 10 leads and we spent $1,000. It has to be oh, we noticed that uh, this landing page is underperforming and we think if we can improve the performance of that landing page, we can actually get 20 leads for $1,000, right? The insights should be driving the action plan, which is feeding the last stage of our campaign methodology, which is optimization. And I really think this is where hardly anyone does any work. They turn these campaigns on, they kind of let them run. And after a certain amount of time, they want to know how it's doing. And if it's working, which it rarely is in the amount of time that someone has given it, they might be, okay, keep going. But like I think we said, most of the time when they're starting to poke around, it hasn't really matured yet. It's not working and they end up stopping it, really cutting their nose off to spite their face and never really giving that campaign the ample time it needed to get up and running and really do what it was designed to do. And now you're sitting there looking at yourself going, what do we do next? So we have experienced that frequently with clients who are impatient or people who have, you know, potentially under budgeted appropriately or are just not uh, investing the time and money to do the optimization work required to get the campaign to work. So um, I think this methodology is a big takeaway from people who are watching and listening to the show today. You really want to make sure that each of those stages gets the time and energy it needs to allow your campaigns to really produce results. Anything you want to add to that? Um, I would agree. I say it's it, that planning up front and going through each of the steps. I know like a lot of campaign questions are around what's the right number and what's what channel. The answer is it's probably different for each of the clients we have, but following that methodology, you will uncover what's going to work and where you need to put your effort. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned results because I wanna talk about that. That obviously anyone who's running campaigns is looking for results, but to your point, results vary by company, by industry, by program, by level of investment, you know, obviously, if I'm putting $30,000 a month into paid search, I'm going to get different results than if I'm putting $300 into paid search, right? And I may get different results if my company is, is competing for very competitive keywords, 
versus a company that's competing for not very competitive keywords. So, you know, results will vary is a key thing that I like to say in this area. But I do think what you should be doing is setting some expectations around results. So you know what your budget is, right? Whether it's high or low, you know what it is. And you know what your campaign plan is, right? So you know what channels you're planning on utilizing. And you should, and you know what your current level of performance is. So, you know, when we work with clients around campaigns, we're gonna look at that data and set some expectations around the performance of the campaign. And in the month, the first month, we might be looking at things that are, you know, quantitative yet early indicators of success, like visitors, right? Like if we can drive more visitors to the website, then it's very likely we can turn those into marketing qualified leads and sales leads also. But that first month, that first step, we might really just be looking to get the visitor numbers up, right? The second month or the second step of that campaign might be to dial in the landing page and dial in the offers a little bit to do a better job converting those visitors into leads. And, you know, we might not be really looking at sales qualified leads or sales opportunities for the third or fourth month, because it's going to take time to, to nurture these people. And to your point, they might have to see the ad four or five times before they finally click on it. And, and I was reading the other day, the data on how many touches people need to make a sale. Now it's very high. I think we used as marketers used to say like, I think it was like the rule of seven, but I was reading, it's like 12 to 15 times now people have to see the same information before they finally take action. So that means we're going to have to do much longer campaigns and we're going to have to have many more touches uh, before someone finally clicks on it and says, you know what? I, I am interested in this. I've seen this a few times, but now I'm, I'm ready to actually do something. Um, you know, that requires a little more impatience and a little more investment and I think it also requires an honest conversation around what people should be expecting with these campaigns and when they should expect it. I think that also dovetails with the omni-channel approach too. If we need to be hitting, you know, 12 to 15 touches, and I think it's 30 days to make or break a habit, you know, like things take time is if those aren't all marketing touches that needs to be omni-channel, that needs to be sales involvement, showing up in paid, you need to be surrounding people. It's not just 12 emails, you know. You're right. Yes, that's a really good point. Um, also, the more times they see you in different places, the better your campaign is going to do. So again, that gets to omni-channel and that gets to patients also. So I think that's a that's a very good point. I also, you know, want to just say to the people listening, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it takes 12 to 15 touches for someone to do something. I'm sorry people are inundated with ads on these platforms. I'm sorry Google serves up, you know, ads over organic rankings and makes it more difficult for people to know what's what. But that is the world we live in. So, you know, if you think KA and I don't want to get better results faster for clients, you are completely wrong. We wish we could get results in a couple of days, not a couple of months. But the reality of the world we live in is it's a... It's a very chaotic ecosystem. It's very hard to break through the clutter. There are a lot of variables associated with this message, creative offer, uh, picking the right platform, like we said, setting the right budget. It's a very complicated effort, which I think is why it fails a lot. You know, you have a lot of people with limited experience running campaigns for the first or second time. And they might have not enough budget and they might not have selected the right platform or their creative maybe is a little weak and they don't have an offer. I see that mostly the offers are pretty bad. 
you know, that's that's why your campaigns are not working. You really need to get all of this stuff together at the outset to really drive a campaign that's going to produce results. I think often you see optimization stops at changing a subject line. You know, it's something that's like, right. optimized and it's one lever out of about 100. Right. I mean, that should be like the first of 100 moves you're going to make to optimize that campaign, not the only thing you do. All right. Really good point. So let's talk about this optimization cycle, because, again, to me, I feel like this is often missed completely. Right. Like, how would our campaign do? Well, you know, we, you know, here's what we got. OK, that's not what I was expecting. Shut it off. Right. And that happens often and it happens too early in the campaign's life cycle. And I think um, what we do and how we cycle around optimization is a good piece of this conversation to help people understand the kind of energy and work that needs to be done to optimize a campaign after it's been up for a couple of months. So can you talk a little bit about what some of the optimizations might be that we would typically do in a campaign or that someone might want to think about doing if they're running a campaign? Sure. I think uh, we would be looking at just overall traction in different channels, but then also looking at the type of content that is being engaged with. Ideally, if this is kind of your first campaign where you're learning and setting baselines, hopefully it's involving content of every length and every format. So you can see what resonates. You know, if you launch a campaign with white papers, you might learn that white papers are great or not. That's it. So we want to see what content resonates, what channel. Um, we also want to look at frequency. Um, depending on your sales cycle or what familiarity is, uh, there's going to be times that campaigns should expedite and match interest. There's going to be times where, like, slow down. I'm going to find the unsubscribe button very quickly. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and I think the takeaway here is there are many, many, many variables in a campaign that you can look at to optimize, right? You can, you know, you can, like we talked about, the creative might not be hitting the mark, right? Which, and that creative includes copy and design, right? So there are two kind of elements inside the creative that could potentially be looked at. What's the offer? Like we talked about that a little bit. Um, you know, you may be offering a meeting and they're not, people aren't ready for a meeting. You may be offering a piece of content that is not compelling enough or interesting enough to, to get someone to take action. So that in and of itself needs to be optimized. I think, are you targeting the right who? Is, you know, are you targeting someone that has time to attend a webinar, but maybe not purchasing power? So making sure you're engaging through the right gates too. Right. And then you have, you know, the spend on the platform that can be looked at. And you have the, you know, um, you have the uh, deployment uh, strategy, right? Are you running retargeting? Are you doing display or, you know, if you're talking about search, are you leveraging the YouTube platform? Like, you know, if you're on LinkedIn, are you doing sponsored updates or are you actually like serving ads to people in their LinkedIn experience? Like there's so much to be talked about and reviewed dur during this optimization phase. It's almost like an unlimited <clears throat> number of variables. And the, the tricky part about it is 
you're, you, you want to run some experiments. And if you're doing an experimentation correctly, you really want to just change one thing at a time. If you change three or four things all at once, you may see results and ultimately not know which of those things produced mm -hmm. results. And I think that's a hurdle you often see too, is people get excited. They plan these very complicated campaigns and over-engineer so that there's no runway left to optimize and fix. I almost think it's better to get more things out there faster and learn than commit. Yeah, I agree. And I think those, you know, once you have enough data to make solid decisions, then I think you can maybe make a number of moves. Um, mm -hmm. Like you, you don't have to, you know, you can change the creative in your Instagram ads and keep the creative in your uh, in your search the same, right? Um, my next move might be to change the creative in my search while I'm still running these, the, the secondary creative on my social. So I think there's a lot of ways to make these adjustments in an ongoing basis. And we typically like to make uh, a set of optimizational uh, upgrades and then let the campaign run for 30 days and get additional data. Again, if you're only letting it run for a week or a couple of days, it's just not enough to really know whether these changes are, are driving any results or not. And, and before we go on to questions, I just wanna talk briefly about, it's very likely that when you're running these tests, some of them are gonna fail. You're gonna, you're gonna make some decisions and find out that the results did not get better. And a lot of people look at that as a failure. And I really would encourage you guys to think about that as a success, because what that tells you is what not to do again, right? If you make a change and the campaign does not perform as well, don't be disappointed. Just know that, okay, we're not going to do this again, cross it off the list, and we'll go on to something else. It, you know, failures are positive when you're looking at experiments and optimization. I think, yeah, in testing, a failure is when you, your A-B split is like 55 and 45. That means you didn't test. You went with the next most comfortable idea. So if you're not getting a range of results, didn't really test. You just did my favorite and second favorite. Yeah, good point. All right, you want to answer a couple of questions from people? Sure. Okay, this is always Eric's favorite part of the show. All right, so this is from Marcus in Connecticut. It seems like you guys put a lot of resources towards campaign execution. What was the thinking behind this? So. Yeah, it's a good it's a good question, Marcus. And we do uh, in our campaign practice at Square Two, um, we have a a seasoned strategist like Ka. We have a uh, a copy content and SEO expert with twenty years of experience. We have a a paid expert, a, a paid search expert, a paid social expert. We have a RevOps expert. Um, I'm involved in a lot of the campaign executions. The chief revenue scientist and the reason we put so many resources towards this is because this is really what people want from their agency. They want these campaigns to produce results. The, you know, when we build a new website, it's great. When we create new content, it's great. Uh, and those assets help us with our campaign execution. But a lot of agencies, in my opinion, and a lot of in-house teams just don't put enough resources behind the campaign execution. It's one person who's managing multiple campaigns if they're in-house. 
if they're with if you're with an agency, it's one person who has 10 to 12 accounts and they can't hardly pay attention to all of the details we were talking about earlier for each of those particular accounts. And I think in our case, we're doubling down on the senior level smart people who have done a lot of this before in order to get our clients better results in a shorter amount of time. So you're right, Marcus, when you're looking at what we're discussing around this, we do put a lot of resources towards it because we feel like this is how um, companies want their money allocated. This is where the rubber hits the road, if you will. These are the, these are the executables that will drive a company's growth and we don't wanna you know, short arm it or shorthand it um, at that point in our engagement with our clients. Anything you want to add, Kay? Uh, no, I think that covers. Great. All right, I got a question from Bob in Boston. Do you use any tools to help your team optimize campaign performance? You want to handle that? Yes, uh, sure. I would, right off the bat, HubSpot dashboards. Uh, you also have Google an Analytics that we use, and we use some SEO tools as well. But really, for campaigns, you're going to live in HubSpot. And the key thing to take away there is going back to the goals that you set and what you wanted to learn and create reports that drive the information for each of those. If you're looking to drive traffic and create awareness, leads and appointments that are not going to provide you the data you need. Yeah, it's a really good point. I think a lot of the data lives in HubSpot, um, especially if you're talking about you know, website performance data or campaign performance data. You know, we can run our ad campaigns directly from HubSpot, although for a lot of clients, we run them natively in the platform that the ads are on. Um, Google Analytics does sometimes give us additional insights into the performance of the campaigns and the assets that are helpful. The other, and you're right, we use SEMrush to help with organic search and a couple of other uh, tools to help us in various areas. Uh, one of the specific tools I wanted to mention is a... Uh, AI-powered insights and recommendations engine that Square2 actually built ourselves for our team called MaxG. And we, we, you know, we created this a couple of years ago out of a desire to help our team weed through the massive amounts of data that is actually in HubSpot. So, you know, you, even if you're looking at HubSpot, you still have to look at dashboard after dashboard after dashboard after dashboard through a, in a variety of areas of the campaign execution. It can be cumbersome. It can be tricky. We wanted to give our team a, a better tool to help them get through that. And MaxG takes all that data out of HubSpot and analyzes it and basically serves up a set of recommendations that our consultants can look at and say, okay, this landing page is underperforming. Let me take a look at it. Oh yeah, look, I can see that. Uh, so it's kind of pointing us in the right direction. It, it, it does give us some insights into what might potentially be done um, on those assets, but mostly it's prioritizing based on our goals and pointing us in the direction of things to look at that make sifting through all that data a lot easier. Something that might take four or five hours can now be done in about an hour uh, by using a tool like MaxG. So I think you know getting access to tools that can can drive efficiencies and use some artificial intelligence to point us in the right direction can be really helpful. And there's lots of those out there besides the one we use. So Bob in Boston, um, there are especially these days. There's a lot of AI tools that are making this kind of work easier for uh, companies and marketers specifically. 
Okay, this is from Tom in Hartford. If I'm hiring someone to help us with campaigns, what should I be looking for? Skills and experiences. All right, Kay, this is right up your alley. What do you, what do you think Tom should be looking for? Um, I think a solid background in content and automation, knowing what's possible in the systems. Uh, a lot of people underutilize what they have as options for campaigns. They don't realize they could have smart content. They could run branches. So someone that actually knows what's possible. Um, and then I think a decent background in content, someone that's been just slightly aware of what goes into a campaign for that understanding. Um, I would say I've worked tightly with inside sales teams. Having an inside sales team on the same floor as you will get you uh, up to speed very quickly. So I think, and then the ability to look at data and turn it into something. Anyone can provide reports, but to kind of think outside of the box and troubleshoot. Yeah, I think that's a good, uh, a couple of good points there. One, I do think you want to be very close. You want someone that has some experiences working with sales. I think in, in my experience, marketers that have spent time with sales, working with sales, supporting sales, have a different perspective than marketers that have been in corporate headquarters or kind of uh, removed from the field, so to, so to say. So you know, I might be looking for someone who has some field marketing experience and some sales support marketing experience. I think that would be good. The other thing I'd be looking for, Tom, is someone that has a track record of performance around campaigns. So if I was interviewing someone like this, I might be asking them to tell me about some of the campaigns they've run recently and what kind of results it produced. You know, how much traffic did it generate? How much of that traffic converted? How many of those leads were actually qualified leads? How many of those qualified leads turned into sales opportunities? How many of those closed? Did they close faster than the regular set of leads? Did they close more frequently than the regular set of leads? Like there's a lot to someone's um, discussion of their campaign experience. And I think you want to make sure that you're digging around in this area associated with performance, as opposed to just set up and execution. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're looking for campaigns that produce results, then you're looking for someone that has done this before, you know, in your industry would be great. I don't think that's necessarily a, a uh, requirement. Uh, I'm also a big believer that people in other industries can bring interesting ideas to new industries. So you know, my career prior to Square Two was in a number of different industries and it always has served me well because I can say, oh, well, in the software space, this is something we did. And even though I'm talking to a manufacturer, it still plays and it still makes sense. And it's something that not many other manufacturers were thinking about. So um, I'm not a big kind of stick to your industry kind of guy. I think that there are benefits for, for bringing people in with outside ideas. But for me, it would be the results. And for me, it would be the... Um, alignment with sales. Okay, I got a question from Fonis from South Africa. You, you probably didn't know we have an international audience, did you? No. Right. <laughs> what time okay. zone would be there? Well, he submitted this in advance, so time zone's kind of, we're, we're more of an on-demand show than a live show, but okay. So Fonis wants to know, I've heard different ideas around how long a campaign should run. Can you discuss this? So, you know, we talked about at a high level, giving it more time than most people would think. But give us some of your experience in terms of like, what is a reasonable time frame for a campaign uh, and what, what that might look like? My initial dream goal for 
everyone is to get a good nurture that lasts about a quarter. And I usually start at a two week cadence. That way I can learn if it's too short, too fast, pretty quickly. Um, I kind of like a quarter run because you can come back and reset things. But the timing does go back to who this campaign's for. Are they someone that, if we're shaking the trees to find out existing customers want to do an add-on, might run for two weeks at the end of the year. Uh, if you're targeting a brand new vertical, nobody knows that your product now fits there, it's going to take a while. Uh, so I think it, again, goes back to starting at the beginning with who you want to target. Yeah, I agree. This is a, you know, every, I feel like everyone in marketing is looking for like the, the answer to all of the questions like, oh, a campaign should be 60 days. Well, you know, uh, there really is no set answer to Kay's point. Like every company is different. Every product is different. Every sales cycle is different. And, you know, I like to talk a little bit about this uh, as if you went to the doctor. Right. So you, you roll into the doctor and your shoulder hurts and, you know, the doctor examines you. And the first thing you say is, OK, doc, how long till I feel better? And he's not going to say, oh, two and a half weeks, you'll be fine. He's going to say, well, I don't know. Like, we'll have to see how you respond to the treatment. We'll have to see how you do in physical therapy. You know, I'm going to give you some medication to reduce the inflammation that might help. But I'm going to have you come back in two weeks and we're going to see how you're doing. So, you know, it's the same. Everyone wants to know when they're going to be better. I get it. Everyone wants to know when the campaigns are going to start working. I get it. But there are no stock answers to these kinds of questions. They're very variable. And I think, honestly, I wish people would stop asking those questions. I think it should be, okay, based on what I'm doing, based on my campaign and my budget and my industry and my products and services and my sales cycle, Give me your best estimate on how long you think it's going to take for this campaign to run to produce results. And to KA's point, I might say, look, it's a six-month campaign. You have an 18-month sales cycle. So you know, I don't want to run something super short that people forget about you when they're finally ready to make a decision. On the other hand, you know, a company might have a one-week sales cycle. I might run a campaign for 30 days right, to try to generate some interest in some particular products or services or or areas of the business. So it is a very variable question. I think the big answer here, uh, Faunus from South Africa, Faunus, I really think when you plan your campaign, you should pick a reasonable time frame for it based on everything we said. And I think initially, I, I would probably not run anything for less than three months because you're going to need a month to get everything up and running and to get some data you're going to need at least another month to run some optimizations. And then you're going to want another month for that the second set of optimizations to run before you make any real decisions about whether it's you know, doing what you said it would do or not. And, and you may decide to keep the campaign running for another three months after you've made some additional adjustments. You know, like I might swap out offer one for offer two and run it for another three months. So um it's a very hard question to ask. I'm going to encourage you to be less concerned about the timing and more concerned about the expected results over a set of timings and then see whether you're on track, you know, a, a better than expected, expected or less than expected and make some decisions based on how the program is performing as opposed to how long it's actually been running. I hope that helps. All right, Maggie from Chicago wants to know, how targeted should our campaigns be? 
are more smaller campaigns with more focus better than less large campaigns? So, Kay, it seems like you have an answer for Maggie in Chicago. Do it's kind of the same as it was on timing. It's going to depend on your product, the price of your product, the size of your audience. If you have a very boutique product and you need to have 10 sales a year, go targeted, get just the exact people you want. If it's, you know, a hundred dollar point of sale, uh, you need high volume, cast the net wide. Um, I think it also maps to your goals. If it's an awareness campaign and it's a new product, cast it wide and learn, see who's interested. That's one of the amazing things with like Facebook and Instagram ads is when they analyze, you know, the audiences to find lookalikes and what just common threads of your audiences. And it's always surprising of like, I didn't think those people would be into this and they are. So I think it just depends on your goal. If it's something that's very tactical or if it's something that you want to learn a lot about. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I would add to that, that there's a lot of data on personalization of campaigns, right? So it's almost, in my opinion, a what I would consider a smaller campaign might be just a more personalized campaign to a smaller group of people. So you might potentially be running the same campaign and have a lane for CFOs at manufacturers, a lane for CFOs at software companies, a lane for CFOs at you know, professional services firms, and you may even have a lane for, um, I don't know, I'm making it up, CROs at manufacturers and CROs at professional service companies and CROs at software firms. So you know, you're really looking at maybe seven campaigns, highly personalized to the people that you're trying to get to. Um, I think that's generally going to give you a better result than if you're trying to say something very vanilla to a large group of people. Um, I just think the more personal you can make the campaign, the better it's going to perform, the more likely people will to see themselves in your ads and want to engage with you, the easier it will be for you to tailor a very specific message to a specific person, um, which again, will perform better, right? If you're speaking to me as the CEO of a relatively small digital agency, and you can tailor that message to me, that's going to be much more likely to get my attention than if you're talking to me about you know, general, general business issues. I am sorry, my dog is barking. I, I tend to lead to lean to smaller, more targeted campaigns, but Kay is right. It's going to depend on, you know, what your product is and what you're trying to, to achieve in your campaigns uh, as you go about planning them and executing them. Okay. A couple more questions here. Let's see. Um, okay, so this is from Jamie in Portland. Um, can you define a campaign for me? Um, is it omni-channel? So maybe, Kay, you could kind of spec out what a sample campaign might look like if it includes multiple channels. I would say that I think it should. Um, it's great to have the consolidated efforts of everyone going towards one target. So to have a cohesive campaign, um, I would define a campaign by the theme, the message, the goal, and then using the multiple channels within it 
That's not to say that you shouldn't have some campaigns belong in one channel and that makes sense. Uh, if you're nurturing existing customers to upsell, you might not necessarily need to target them on Instagram. Um, so it, I believe it can be channel specific. I think it's more defined by the goal. And yeah, the and the story, right? Like, you know, like Square Two does this special engagement where we get everything done in 30 days, right? So, you know, if I'm if I'm going to be running a campaign targeting people who want to go fast from a marketing perspective, you know, I might do something about, you know, going fast for marketing on Facebook, going fast for marketing on Instagram, going fast for marketing on, on paid search, um, going fast for marketing in an email campaign. You know, I may have my reps pitching, you know, messaging and content out uh, in, in their efforts, uh, aligning that campaign for them as well. So it is more about the story you're trying to tell and the message you're trying to take out and the content you're trying to use to drive interest and then picking the right channels to push that story out into the public. I think that's really the definition of an omni-channel campaign. And that single story for me is what defines the campaign and the channels you're using is really just how you're planning on getting that story out in front of your, your, um, your target market. Jamie in uh, Portland, I hope that helps. All right, I got a question from Calvin in Spokane, Washington. We're considering some paid media to help us boost our campaigns. How much would you recommend we budget for each of the paid channels? What would you say to Calvin about that? Um, again, that's a hard one knowing what range you're at for now. Um, I think, I mean, even 3000 each channel is a good benchmark, anything below 1500, it's gonna take so long to learn that to have the patience to not touch it is gonna be really hard. Uh, so I think it's a little bit, I mean, spend is a factor, but it's also giving it time to perform is probably the most important. It's kind of like joining a gym. You have to put the time in to see the results. It's not necessarily, did you join a nicer gym? Yeah, that's a really good point. You can get great results from a, you know, a, a, a tiny neighborhood workout room as you can at a giant, you know, lifetime fitness kind of place, right? right. So um, I also think this goes back to our other uh, comment about everybody's different. Everybody's campaign is different. You know, if you're competing against people who are, look, these paid channels, they're auctions, like it or not, right? People are bidding for keywords on search and people are, you know, bidding for uh, access on the, the social platforms. So, you know, the more people are interested in your keywords, the more expensive your campaigns are going to be. Like LinkedIn is much more expensive than Facebook. So you might think LinkedIn is perfect for you because you're targeting CEOs and CEOs are on LinkedIn. Um, but that actually might not be the best place for you to spend your money uh, per se. Yeah. So um, it's, it's, again, one of those things that are highly variable based on your specific campaign, your specific business, your, the, the people you're trying to get in front of. I will tell you that I think, you know, you should probably start, as Kay said, in the thousand to fifteen hundred dollar range to make sure you're getting enough traction to get enough data to run the analytics that will give you insights into whether this is something you need to continue or not. You know, if you throw $500, it's kind of like just throwing it in the street. Like you're probably not going to know enough about that particular channel to know whether you want to continue to do it or not, know whether it's going to work out. And 
again, depending on who you're competing with, you might have to spend $5,000 on a specific channel to see how you're doing. And you shouldn't shy away from that. If that channel is going to give you access to your audience and you have a strong message and a good offer, I would encourage you to consider that and be patient, you know, invest 5,000 a month for three months and really see how it does before you cross that off your list of things that, you know, work or don't work. And if it doesn't work, don't be upset. You learned that that is not the right channel for you. There are, your, your CEOs are not on LinkedIn or they're on LinkedIn, but they're not looking for what you do, right? Um, a lot of people don't get news. They don't get product information. They don't get service information from LinkedIn. It's simply about networking and job hopping and seeing what their colleagues are doing and, 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 and shooting messages out to people that they worked with. It's not about responding to ads or clicking on things. So um, you don't know until you try it. And that, in, in my opinion, that $15,000 investment would be well spent in knowing that LinkedIn is not the channel for me going forward. All right, we got a couple more minutes and a couple more questions to try to get through them all. This is from Desiree in San Diego. How much time should be allocated to analyzing and optimizing versus campaign building? That's a good question. So you run a lot of campaign optimizations and you do a lot of <clears throat> campaign analysis. How many hours a week do you think someone should be putting into that part of the process? I would sort of throw planning in there along with the analyzing and optimizing. I think the more effort you put into the planning, a lot of the building and the a lot of the things you'll run into along the way, you'll have already solved for or know the answers to. Um, I would say if you, if it's a newer campaign, new territory, um, just the looking at the data and optimizing maybe 10 hours. And then if you need content on top of there, like the outcomes for from that 10 hours, it's not just that campaign, but if that's going to help answer your next 30, 60, 90 overall as well. Yeah. So yeah. And I think it'll get faster too. The more you do it, like the first dashboards you build, they're not going to be the easiest or you're going to realize that's not exactly what I wanted, but as you get it dialed in and you're you know, implementing the methodology, it gets easier. Yeah, it's a really good point. And when you think about it, that 10 hours, it's two hours a day, right? So, you know, maybe you're talking about 45 minutes or so to look at the data and, you know, uncover some interesting nuances, and then maybe another hour and 15 to go in and actually do some optimizations, right? Like, oh, let me adjust the headline on this landing page. Let me, you know, put a different image on this landing page. You know, let me you know, direct them to a different, uh, let me A-B test a different, like, I have a new landing page, let me A-B test it for this particular campaign. So that seems very reasonable to, to me and maybe not enough time, depending on how many campaigns you're running. So um, I think that would be a good minimum uh, 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 baseline, Desiree. If, if it was me, I, I would be telling you to spend, you know, at least two hours a day looking at the data and running some optimizations. Um, and I would probably would not do too much campaign build until I'm starting to learn what's working and what's not working and then move into the next campaign build for the next campaign that's going to launch at some point down the future. And if you do that, and this is really Kay's point, which I think is a good one, each campaign should do better, right? Don't beat yourself up if your first campaign isn't a home run. If you hit a couple singles, that's a great place to start. Your next campaign is going to do better. Your third campaign is going to do better than your second campaign. And you know you keep, should keep learning and adjusting. Before you know it, 
you'll be running a couple of really highly optimized campaigns that produce results. And maybe that optimization phase is a little less than it was in the beginning when you were doing a lot of testing and a lot of learning. Uh, I think that's more than likely the experience you're going to have. And again, set expectations with your boss that this is how long it's going to take. It's going to take me three or four iterations of this campaign to really get it up and running. You know, let's get started. Let's start working on it today. Let's not think about it for another couple months. Let's you know get started. Uh, I almost think getting started with something is better than doing nothing because you will learn uh, something along the way that is going to help you do a better job down the road. So a lot of our clients want perfect and we try to advise them that done is very often better than perfect so that we can actually get some live data to, to examine how we're doing as opposed to these assumptions that we're all looking at this thing and thinking it's going to work. It's not going to work. Well, who are we? We're not even really the prospects for this particular uh, campaign. Let's let's launch it. Let's get it out there. <clears throat> let's see how it's doing. All right. I got a question from Lacey in Lubbock, Texas. How long should I expect it to take before I start seeing results from campaign work? Now we did kind of talk about this a little bit. I don't know if going into this is you know going to really help Lacey. Like we basically said, every campaign's a little bit different. You know, consider thirty days as a minimum before you can really start you know learning anything from most of these campaigns, but uh, results will vary. Set some expectations up front about what you're expecting to see even after 30 days, and then stick to your guns. Don't bail out of these campaigns too early because that's really a guarantee that you'll never see success from this kind of effort. Mm -hmm. All right, our last question before we wrap up is from Carly in Brooklyn. I've worked for other agencies, uh, so I've worked with other agencies in the past, and it seems like most struggle to get results from ongoing campaigns. Any theories here? You got any, you got any uh, advice for Carly as to why other agencies might be struggling to get results around the campaign part of it? I would guess that it probably points to reporting out data, but not really digging and making it actionable. A lot of people look at a lot of data, but knowing what to do with it, what to do next, recommendations, and really focusing and being invested to fix that. I think often uh, campaigns get launched and move on to the next one, and it's up and running. We'll run the report, you know, move on. So I think that is sadly something that you often see. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I also think generally people underinvest in this area of their program. So, you know, they're more than happy to pay for a website. They're more than happy to pay for content and video and, you know, even social posts, uh, you know, social promotion. But when it comes to really investing in these campaigns, I think people are under investing. They're, they're kind of, you know, no disrespect, but they're kind of cheaping out a little bit on this part of the work that they might be doing with agencies. You know, they're asking the agencies to kind of skinny down the budgets here. You know, they want to put their money into the paid media and not into the agency's help with the campaigns. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big mistake. If you're asking an agency to run multiple campaigns and you're only willing to pay them a couple of thousand dollars a month, I think you can guarantee fail failure. Mm -hmm. Because for that amount of money, the agency is not going to be able to spend the time to really dig into analyzing the results and coming up with optimizations and planning additional campaigns. 
they're going to take a peek at it for about 10 or 15 minutes a week. And, you know, I'll be like, yeah, everything's running. Okay. Whether it is or not, they don't really have the time to really dig into it. So I think if that has been your experience, Carly, I would highly recommend you consider um, adjusting the investment levels you're planning when agencies move into campaign mode. And look, I've been doing this for 20 years at Square Two, and I really feel like the base level for any ongoing engagement associated with these campaigns should probably be in the $10,000 range. So no matter what they're doing for you, if you're not willing to invest that kind of money in ongoing campaign work by the agency, and this doesn't include the budget for the paid media, you're probably not going to get results. And I'm, I'm not being flippant with this. I've seen it over and over again from other agencies. Uh, they have a very modest ongoing engagement and the client almost never gets any kind of significant results from that. So there's obviously a, um, there's a, um, a pattern there that is under invested time with the agency will not produce results. So, you know, I'm a big believer in, in not doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results. And, you know, if you've had different agencies and you're paying them a few thousand dollars a month and they're not, none of them are able to get your results. You got to look at what you're doing. It's not the agency's fault. Like they're only doing as much as you're going to pay them to do. So my advice would be to, to put a bigger investment behind it and you're going to see better results. Anything you want to add, Kay, before I wrap up? No, I think that's spot on. I think, as you said, too, give things time to run. I think people fail on their campaigns before they learn anything from them. That's so true. Awesome, Kay. I really appreciate you stepping in and helping out. It feels like the hour flew by. Thank you so much. Your expertise is very much appreciated. Uh, before we sign off, as remind everybody, you can go check out the show on uh, YouTube, the Square Two Marketing Channel. All of the What's Wrong With Revenue shows are posted there. They'll be up tomorrow. Um, like us, subscribe to us, add comments. We really appreciate the feedback we get on the shows. Um, you can also get the show on Square Two Plus, Square Two's free streaming service. It's available at the square2marketing.com website, backslash square2plus. All of our audio and video content is posted there, just like Netflix. And you can subscribe to Square Two Plus, and we'll let you know when new content is published. If you want to submit questions like Carly and Lacey and Desiree, you can go to the What's Wrong With Revenue link at the bottom of our Square Two website. Click it. There's a button to submit questions. There's a button to get the show uh, on your calendar if you want to join us live. And you can subscribe directly to the show and we'll send you shows as soon as they're ready in on-demand format the next day. Uh, happy to do it. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. If you're going to be with us next Wednesday for episode 44 of What's Wrong With Revenue, we're going to talk about you can't uncover insights buried in your marketing, sales, and customer service data. So we talked a little bit about insights today. We're going to go deep next week on how to uncover insights. And I really appreciate everybody joining us. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Ka, thanks for participating. And I'll see you guys next Wednesday.